And now, story time with Mr. Black. I heard this story secondhand from another person. The gentleman said, I was at the corner grocery store buying some early potatoes. I noticed a small boy, delicate of bone and feature, ragged but clean, hungrily apprising a basket of freshly picked green peas. I paid for my potatoes, but was also drawn to the display of fresh green peas. I'm a pushover for cream peas and new potatoes. Pondering the peas, I couldn't help overhearing the conversation between Mr. Miller, the store owner, and the ragged boy next to me. Hello, Barry. How are you today? Hello, Mr. Miller. Fine, thank you. Just admiring them peas. They sure look good. They are good, Barry. How's your ma? Fine. Getting stronger all the time. Good. Anything I can help you with, Barry? No, sir. Just admiring them peas. Would you like to take some home, Barry? Asked Mr. Miller. No, sir. Got nothing to pay with them for. Well, do you have something to trade me? Maybe something you can trade me for those peas? Well... Mr. Miller, all I got is my prize marble here. Is that right? Let me see it, Barry, said Miller. Here it is. She's a dandy. Wow, I can see that. Hmm. Only thing is, this one is blue. And I sort of go for red, Barry. Do you have a red one like this at home? The store owner asked. Not exactly, but almost. Tell you what. Take the sack of peas home with you, and next trip this way, let me look at that red marble, Mr. Miller told the boy. Sure will. Thanks, Mr. Miller. Miss Miller, who had been standing nearby, came over to help me. With a smile, she said, there are two other boys like him. They're all in our community, and all three are in very poor economic situations. Jim just loves to bargain with them for peas, apples, tomatoes, or, or whatever he feels they might need. When they come back with their red marbles, and they always do, he decides he doesn't like red after all, and he sends them home with a bag of produce for a green marble or an orange marble. And when they come in on their next trip to the store, ah, uh, I left the store smiling to myself, impressed with this man, this Mr. Miller. A short time later, I moved to Colorado, but I never forgot the story of Mr. Miller and the boys and the bartering for marbles. Several years went by, each more rapid than the previous one. And just recently, I had occasion to visit some old friends in that Idaho community. And while I was there, I learned that Mr. Miller had died. They were actually having his visitation that evening, and knowing my friends wanted to go, I agreed to accompany them as well. Upon arrival at the mortuary, we fell into line to meet the relatives of the deceased and to offer whatever words of comfort we could. Ahead of us in line were three young men. One was in army uniform and the other two wore nice haircuts, dark suits, white shirts, all very professional looking. They approached Miss Miller, standing composed and smiling by her husband's casket. Each of the young men hugged her, kissed her on the cheek, spoke briefly with her, and moved on to the casket. 
Her misty light blue eyes followed them as one by one each young man stopped briefly and placed his own warm hand over the cold, pale hand in the casket. Each left the mortuary awkwardly, wiping their eyes. Our turn came to meet Miss Miller. I told her who I was, and I reminded her of the story from those many years ago and what she had told me about her husband's bartering for marbles. With her eyes glistening, she took my hand and led me to the casket. Those young men who just left, they were the boys I was telling you about. They just told me how they appreciated the things Jim traded them. Now at last, when Jim could not change his mind about color or size, they came to pay their debt. We've never had a great deal of wealth of this world, she confided. But right now, Jim would consider himself the richest man in Idaho. With loving gentleness, she lifted the lifeless finger of her deceased husband. Resting underneath were three exquisitely shining red marbles. See, the gentleman in the story had discernment. Mr. Miller was discernment. He was able to discern the things that were important from the things he had to do to survive. He knew what was important and what was window dressing. He knew what was eternal and what was temporal. See, discernment is the ability to obtain sharp perceptions or to judge well, whether that be psychological, moral, or aesthetic. Discernment has also been defined in the context, scientific, normative, and formal. The process of discernment within judgment involves going past the mere perception of something and making nuanced judgments about its qualities and its properties. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what's lacking in today's world. We need to have discernment. We need to be able to discern the truth from the lies, the fact from the fiction, and the propaganda from the program. You've been listening to Like It Matters Radio with Scott Black, your source for inspiration, education, and application. Learn more and register for an upcoming class at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net.